All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. We are here today with Melissa Philippi, and we are so excited to have a conversation about all things DEI, leadership, and life. Leaning on years of coaching and training, business owners, HR leaders, and their staff, Melissa has co-founded and partners with the WorkDove team to create meaningful workflows, performance, and talent management apps that work for teams and individuals. Melissa enjoys being able to practice her hobby for a living and is incredibly grateful for it. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Deanna and Justin. So excited to be here. And Justin, man, I'm super jealous of your voice. That was like the coolest <laughs> hair voice ever. In a world. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, man, we're going to have a great time this morning. I'm excited. Absolutely. Melissa, you know, you and I have had so many conversations. You're actually one of the people that's featured in Action Speak Louder. And so I have to tell everybody who's listening, the first time that we got a chance to talk on the phone, I was like, come on, Deanna, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. Oh, we were so excited. I was so excited. We were geeking out like crazy. Yeah. We were. you do. And yes, and why doesn't the world work like this? I know. I know, right? So then I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, Melissa, I know we just had this whole conversation, but we got to do it again because we have to yeah. be able to share with other people some of the things that, you know, we, we learned about one another and kind of our experiences and all of that. But before we kind of get into that, I just want to make sure that our audience knows how incredibly cool you are. So I would like to share a fun fact. Maybe. Not as cool <laughs> as Justin, clearly. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> but I'd love to share uh, just a, a fun fact. So one of the things that I learned about Melissa is that Um, When she learned that her vision was not going to allow her to fly fighter jets. Okay. So Mm -hmm. just want to repeat that fighter jets. Uh, She decided that she was going to turn to extreme sports to fuel her adrenaline needs. So right now you hold a black belt in karate. You completed. (laughs) Watch out. Cooler than me already. (laughs) I I told you, I said, we'll see. Uh, Completed two Spartan trifecta. How would Mm -hmm. I say that? Trifecta. Trifecta, yeah, right? trifecta races. Yeah, so it's like three races in a year, like a sprint, super, and a beast. Yeah, different uh, ranging. So it's obstacle course racing, uh, ranging up to a essentially a half marathon is and the beast. So that is amazing. Wow. But this is my favorite thing. Yeah. You're also known for your spear throwing backyard. Yeah. Yeah, it's, on it's actually the best. <laughs> Man, it, that's the favorite part. So in Spartan races, you do have, I mean, it's a Spartan, right? Spear. Mm-hmm. So you do have a spear throwing obstacle. And if you miss this thing, it's like the only one that's not, you know, a ton of grip strength or arm strength or endurance. It's more or less luck and accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and if you miss an obstacle, you got to do 30 burpees. That's a 30 burpee penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, this is ridiculous. And I, you know, you can train for a lot of different things, but you can't really accurately train for spear throwing <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless you have someone build you a spear throwing situation, which is what I did. So <laughs> I have this really cool, um, you know, like wooden thing set up with this like arms out. It's got a spear, like a Spartan helmet painted at the top and you put a, bale of hay kind of strapped to it and i got a spear you can buy these things on amazon and so we, 
<laughs> so we have uh, beers and spears is a regular event at the Philippi household. So oh. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. it's heavily regulated. Like no, you only get everybody no says more that you got to stand behind the line. And exactly, we we watch like how many you've been in uh, before you get up to the spear throw. But anyway, it did actually improve. It did actually improve my spear throwing. I started wow. connecting more in the races, so it was worth it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, I just have to say, first mm-hmm. thought that comes to mind right after just complete total awe is I just saw Wakanda. So, like, I feel very motivated oh, to I come know. out and spear throw with you. You uh, can <laughs> anytime see any invitation. Uh, we're okay. going to be on Saturday afternoon. I heard it's like almost four hours long, so we kind of have to, <laughs> you know, plan for that. But yeah, it's amazing, amazing. We it was it was amazing. It was did not did not disappoint. So um, so I, I'm excited for you to get to watch it. But you could like yeah, watch it and then. Go try it. I mean, like, just I get so right fired there. up when I see like <laughs> yeah. the whole fighter jets thing is because I watched Top Gun in the eighties, right? And as a kid, and I'm like, I feel the need for speed too. I must, <laughs> you know. So, um, and I wanted to do it, and then I got older, and they're like, you kind of have to have good vision, and this is before LASIK and all those things. Mm-hmm. I'm blind as a bat, and they're like, choose another profession, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> And what do you find? I mean, like, that's an awesome, really cool set of hobbies that you have there. But I'm sure you're drawn to it because of certain characteristics and personality traits. And I'm sure it develops even more. Oh. So how do you find those things translating into the work that you do? So I guess maybe it's a two-parter. Mm-hmm. First, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do? And then <laughs> how what you learn from spear throwing and Spartan trifectas <laughs> that help you be more effective in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and hitting the mark, what, if you will. And, oh my gosh. That was a pretty good pun there. That was pretty good. Um, and a really good segue too, Justin, I have to give you kudos for that. So, you know, really what all of those extreme things do, and, and I wish I could do more of them. We, we really had to retool the company in the last couple of years. And so when you're a startup entrepreneur or technically growth stage startup, right? So we've at least proven that this works. It's getting out there, the HR technology platform that we have, which is a performance and talent management point solution. It's working, right? And it's, it's I usually say now that it's niche focused and niche focused for values-based organizations. So if you don't really care about or, or understand that coaching conversations is what changes the workplace, not a digitized performance review form, you know, then we're not your game. Like if you're willing to look at it from a different lens and understand what really motivates and what really uh, creates ROI and healthy, high-performing cultures, we're your game, right? So because we're not all things to all people, it's, you know, it's, it's harder. It's word, by, word of mouth. It's boutique kind of, and we don't, we purposely won't partner with companies when we know it's going to crash and burn, when the leadership's mm-hmm. not there to really support it. So the way that I think the extreme stuff transfers is the entrepreneur is just about being an entrepreneur. I mean, you've got a, an entrepreneur in general and doing something that's not being done out there, uh, you know, or doing something differently. You have to have a level of risk tolerance, right? You have to have a level of grit. Matter of fact, grit is one of our core values at Work Dove. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the definition of grit for us is not only just perseverance. I had to remind my team of this the other day. I was like, everybody like in, a, in startup tech world, it's like everybody gets the like grind, like, you know, yeah. grin and bear it, like push through, it's hard. I was like, but there's another key word that everybody was, I think, missing. And I had to remind, and we can talk about this a little bit later, but I had to remind them of the true definition of grit for us. And that is passion and perseverance, not just perseverance, but remaining, mm-hmm. maintaining that passion 
and belief that what we do matters and what we do is truly bringing peace to the workplace, which is our tagline, but it means it, we really mean it. We back it up. That's why the dove is in our name, bringing peace to the workplace. So passion for what we do keeps us going. And I, I think that when um, and grit also, it says our definition is that we assign ourselves difficult tasks in order to grow grit. People don't realize that you mm. actually can grow grit. Mm. And another word for grit is resilience. We use right. that a lot in our world, right? It really is the same thing. And that is something that we all know that what, you know, Deanna, Justin, you, you know, all of us, we're at the age we're talking about our age of kids. We have more resilience now than we did when we graduated college. And we had more resilience now than we did when we had our first career. Because right. sometimes you have to go through hard things to realize that you will survive and you can survive. And so you grow that resilience muscle, you grow that grit muscle. So that's really what we've been doing. And that's where I would say like where some of my sense of watching Top Gun, you know, as a child, <laughs> I think that's where those kind of inner gifts that I have helps me be able to do what I do. So that was kind of a roundabout answer. I hope that helps. <laughs> no, that's great. I like that differentiation yeah. between grit and grind. Lots of people we think mm -hmm. of think of grind and they think, oh, if you haven't succeeded, you're not trying hard enough. But I like this with proactively practicing grit. It's like the flip is like, no, not if you're not succeeding, you're not trying hard enough. It's if you're not failing, you're not experimenting enough. You're not trying 100%. You need to be like going through it. And so what brought you to this? Like what are maybe is there an event like you said the same way? Like it yes. was top gun, made me want to do fighter jets. Is do you have a <laughs> crystal clear moment or event that led yes. you to this work? I do. I do. So a lot of us have a why, you know, why yeah. why do you become especially as a founder? You usually have a why. And a lot of times people, I see this, you know, need in the marketplace. And, and I, and I did, I had, I, we definitely went searching at a point in our, you know, consulting business career that we could not find any type of values based performance and talent management platform that we felt accurately depicted a high performing culture that focused on both values as well as equal to performance. So there, there was definitely that aha, there's not a, a good solution out there back in 2014 when we were designing all of this. But for me, it goes back to the financial crisis. So my background is actually in banking and investment, the world of investment. So I'm actually still a certified financial planner. I do my CE every year and or pay the fees every year. Of degree. But, <laughs> um, it was too hard. That's how too I feel about my law degree too. I'm like every year right. I write that check and I'm like, you You're know, like, not practicing, but, <laughs> yeah. but I, but you don't want to let hard. it go. It no. was too hard for you it. Too right. hard. Yeah. And I was, I always justify it, you know, like this is going to other people to be able to get kind of services and supporting the bar and supporting my colleagues and this and that. But I, I do have a moment where I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Yeah, every time you write the check, you just are like, but anyway, so yeah, CFP by trade. And I was working at a very large institution. I won't name it, but it's very obvious if you look at my LinkedIn. <laughs> but anyway, um, very large. And you all remember too big to fail, right? Remember right. those oh, years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so we were having to take TARP money. All the big banks were having to take TARP money. And of course, you start taking TARP money and government money, things like that. There's really kind of have to trim the fat a little bit. And just like we're looking at now, at least in my industry with technology, lots of layoffs, right? You've heard about Facebook's yeah. or Meta's layoffs. Um, I mean, it's just Amazon. I mean, it's just it's, everybody's doing these layoffs. So this stuff started happening, of course, in 2008 and 2009 during the financial crisis as well. And I was at this institution that the headquarters 
you know, was very removed from the, the managers in the front line. And there wa wasn't the accurate data analytics to really speak to who were the healthy, high performing individuals. Mm. So fast forward a few years to Wells Fargo, and I'm not throwing them under the bus because I'm going to say that it's pervasive. It was at least pervasive in the, in the banking industry at that time. But fast forward to Wells Fargo getting caught for all the little, you know, those issues of creating bank accounts, if you remember all of that, major fines, all that kind of stuff, really just a, it was a cultural toxicity within Wells Fargo. And it was winning at all costs and hitting these marks. Well, a version of that existed where I was too. And, and really, and I've worked at small, medium and large size banks. There was a version almost at all levels where widgets for widgets sake, and then mm -hmm. being able to creating an incentive plan whereby it is only performance focused and not values focused mm. will produce a certain type of culture and will right. produce a certain type of behavior. So when they were deciding who stayed and who went, when they needed to cut jobs, they were looking at what I would submit as a broken performance management system. One mm. that we were, everybody knew on the front lines was easy to be gamified. And so I watched and everybody knew that so-and-so was still making her incentive plan hitting X amount of widgets kind of thing, you know, X amount of dollars and other folks had their incentive plan had really dropped off and their metrics were, you know, really halved. Remember what the market had done. The market was also in half right. at right. that point. So I ask you if the market has fallen by half, would you expect the performance to still be at a hundred percent? No, like simple yeah. math and logic tells you if someone's hitting still magically hitting these numbers with the market falling by half, there actually should be something. something amiss, right? There's yeah. something unethical going on. There's something we need to investigate. But instead, a lot of decisions were made to retain individuals that looked in the last six months. I mean, talk about blinders on and evaluating people's jobs and who stayed and who went. They were looking at it's really like a last six months history or so. And then the really good ones that were always doing the right things for the bank, the right things for the client, they were the ones that lost their jobs. And back mm. then, when you were a banker losing your job, you weren't getting another job. I mean, it was awful. It was blood on the street. I watched friends lose houses. Yeah. Uh, there was a fellow at a prior bank I worked at that was a higher level regional manager. I mean, and this is where I don't mean to bring it down here, but he committed suicide because mm. he was losing everything. You know, yeah. and, and that's when you've wrapped up, I would submit your identity and who you are and what you own versus and, uh, you know, really your some more important matters. Um, so it, it was one of those things that that leaves a mark on you, that kind yeah, of stuff right. and that kind of event. And it changed almost my DNA. Right. Mm. It changed everything about. And I just was like, this this is not the way life should work. This is not the way we should do things. This is. This is destroying people's lives. If we could have focused on when we use the performance values matrix, if we could have focused on behaviors that are in line with the core values of the organization hmm. and elevated those to perform, to getting those performance, we would not be in this mess. I would submit the financial crisis wouldn't have even happened yeah. had the banks and, and all financial institutions and all of the all of the debt obligations they were creating that kind of led us that were backed by faulty loans. I mean, I was a lender before that and I saw all of these loans being made to people that ought not have loans. And like, this is why we got in the mess we got in because everybody got greedy and we were focusing on winning at all costs instead of on doing the right thing and instant gratification versus patience. 
right? Yeah. So that's where I was like, from that point forward, I was like, no, this a, there's a better way to do this. And I'm going to be a part of that change. That and is here so, we have worked off. Yeah. That is so awesome. And like, so I think, um, encouraging, right? Because Thank so you. often what we talk about from an organizational standpoint is we say like, you have to really figure out where an organization stands and, and what their values are. And if you understand what the organization's values are, and it's not just what are the pretty things that they put on their website or, you know, what are the, the nice words, but literally like, what are the things that are stated and what are the things that are unstated within the organization and how they make decisions, how, right? Like the more we understand about an organization's core values and how closely aligned they are, the more we're able to determine, just as you said, right, with, with performance, are you going to be able to take this and take these ideas and actually bring them to fruition? Or is this just another check the box kind of situation for you? And I just think that like so many times people are like, well, I don't understand. Just tell us about the policy. Just tell us, this. why are you looking at our values? Why are you looking at our mission? And we're like, because this is the core. This is the nexus. Justin calls it the constitution, right? Like these yeah. are the things by which you have all said, this is what we're going to live by. And if you don't believe that, then that's a problem. We can't even address these other issues until we get that. Uh, figured out. They're your guiding principles, right, Deanna, where in the apps, you cannot train your people on everything. They're going to encounter things and they're going to make judgment calls for your business and for their work and what they choose to work on and how they choose to do it. They're making that those decisions all the time. And you can't imagine or train for every last little scenario that they're going to encounter, which is <laughs> why you have to always go back to your core values. And I always say operationalize those core values with examples. We have a recognition tool, for example, that integrates with Teams and Slack. And so we encourage people to not just hold accountable poor behaviors, but call out and praise where you see throughout the entire organization, peer to peer, everybody. Yeah. You see when Deanna did that, that was a great way of living out our core value of excellence with that client. Or when you see when Justin did that, like, way to go, Justin, like, thank you for living by example in that. And so you're painting a picture for what it looks like. And some of that just almost nebulous, you can't always, but it's like the spirit of the law. You know, you right. help people understand culturally, I get it, I get what we're, we do here, and I get how decisions are made. And therefore, I know how to make those decisions in my work. And that's how you scale that stuff. But it's stuff you have to do like every day. It's not just the two day workshop. You get around or you have some kind of cultural like together, you know, and hoorah and everybody forgets about it. It has to be like in the mundane every single day. Absolutely. So a lot of these things are really fantastic about like kind of what to do programmatically. Like, hey, this as part of your performance review, as things that you're tracking leaders, you mm -hmm. should start looking for these and make more values based performance analysis. But what would you say to like our listeners who are maybe individual contributors, or they don't have direct reports, and they have like direct managers, and they're kind of caught, maybe even they don't even have a performance review cycle at all. How would you mm -hmm. say that they can advocate for themselves to kind of create some more resiliency and work through this kind of values based avenue? What advice would you give them? You know, that's a wonderful question because so much, I, I've been studying this for a long time, right? And I, and I try to figure out another way around the answer being leadership. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't find it, the research. And I think just the years of working with hundreds of organizations, it always comes back to the top leader. Uh, right. If you, it doesn't mean that you're looking for perfection. I always say like work of, we don't need a partner with perfection, but we just need a partner with leaders that at least care and want to get better. 
Um, a lot of things are easier when you have that, when you have leadership down. Now, regardless of that, the individual contributor, I know we've talked a lot about Deanna with FaceTime. You, it's, I'm married to an introvert 20, you know, we were talking about my anniversary was yesterday, 19 years and introverts. This is, (laughs) thank you, especially challenging for, but you really have to advocate for yourself in the form of, we call them check-ins, but one-on-one time, uh, everybody's busy. And if if you're working remotely, this is even harder. I would submit it substantially harder Mm -hmm. to make sure you get some time of zoom or, you know, video time, get, if you can get together still, but I think you need to have that FaceTime with your with your manager, with others. I think you need to be asking the questions about why we do what we do and how we do. Um, I think anybody can affect change, no matter where they are on the org chart. Agreed. Um, but it, can you say yeah. that again, Melissa? Because uh, that's like one of my <laughs> like. It's like I have all these things I want to make T-shirts of, but that's one of them. <laughs> say it louder for the people in the back. Yeah, right? say it louder. Say it louder. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think anybody can affect change no matter where you are in the org chart. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's who are the brave ones? Who are the brave ones? And I think that we've had with cancel culture and all, which I can't stand. Um, and, I, and I think with all the changes that we've been through, it's become very easily for employees to start to become a, a consumer mindset. Mm-hmm. And just kind of take a back seat to like, well, it's all about me and like, and or either pointing the fingers all the time at leadership. And I just led with, I do agree that the bulk of the responsibility lies within leadership. It yep. always does, you yep. know, I mean, and too much is given, much is expected, right? And much is required. So I still believe that leaders bear the weight of this, but, you know, like John Mayer says, we got to be, we got to be the change, (laughs) you know? So, you know, are you going to be the one to affect change? You know, are you going to be the one to say, Hey, like when, when there's not, when there's something that's not great behavior, when we see someone being treated less than we talk a lot about D and I in the workplace. Right. So when I see someone not, not being included, when I see all like this happened, honestly, accidentally in my workplace recently, where the support folks were kind of being left out of some of the, they were planning all these fun things and they kind of forgot about the fact that the support still needs to be on till 5 PM. And guess what? One of my lead support people is a minority. And I'm like, y'all come on. And I was like, no, I was like, you can figure out something else or you, you can either get somebody else to back up support and make sure she's invited from time to time. It happens accidentally sometimes but who is the brave individual contributor to say, hey, time out, like this is not in line with our core values and this is not OK. I think we need to take a look at it. It's just whether or not you're brave enough to speak up. And I think, yeah, and I think I it's really... also that. Oh, go ahead. Dia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say that, you know, one of the things about WorkDev that I really admire is just the fact that that's built into your system. Right. You, you have mm-hmm. in your system this way for employees to say look, it's time for a check-in and I want to drive that mm-hmm. check-in and that's what it wants. I want it to look like. And as you know, we're looking at all these different platforms and ways that people um, can engage, that's definitely a key differentiator. I don't remember ever being in a place where we had a, a moment where we could actually say, hey, I'm calling the meeting. I'm, I'm the employee, but I'm calling the meeting. And not only am I calling the meeting, I'm calling the meeting with my supervisor, right? Like I'm, I'm calling that's up. Right. And I'm going to use that as an opportunity to lead, right? And so just even that core philosophy and how you've incorporated that into the technology and into the platform is pretty is pretty phenomenal. Thank you. I'll go a step further and tell you that there's safety built in. 
because again, I think um, I read a book and uh, I'll give kudos to this lady, Susan Cain. I don't know if you've heard her, of her work. It's called Quiet, um, The Power of an Introvert in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Oh, yes. Which, yeah. <laughs> I remember the title. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I'm the caffeinated extrovert, right? So it was it was almost like great marriage advice for me. Like, like oh, this is why you think and do the things you do, Dave. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> it was really eye-opening. And we actually built our workflows, our check-in workflows to model the research that she does in there because it, it helps. And it and really, ironically, extroverts are also more clear when you have a chance to write first. So the way that the check-ins work purposely is you know, one, you can integrate it with the calendar. So all of a sudden it's a calendar event, you know, on both parties, if you choose to do that, but you're right, the employee can initiate it anytime, or it can be set to be a standard, you know, one on whatever's that desired frequency between manager and employee, but the employee doesn't have to wait for that. They can initiate it to your point, Deanna, and it's initiated with writing. Cause I'm going to tell you what people like when I said be brave, it's sometimes it takes an immense amount of energy and courage, especially for an introvert to say, Hey, I want to, I need to make sure that we have some time to talk, to get a one-on-one. I mean, some people that's natural and a lot of people it's not, or sometimes it, you know, your managers just seem so busy and I don't want to distract you or things like that. But when you write out, because writing forces clarity, things that are in your heart, what is a jumbled mess in your head now becomes clear for you and for them. And then they, the way our workflows are, the manager gets to read that ahead of time. And, you know, we have this little thing called an amygdala, that powers like a fight or flight. A lizard brain, yeah. Yeah, the lizard brain, you know. And so the managers, we always say, managers, you need to have a hot second. Where I am from the South, so I'm going to talk like this. But you need to have a hot second to read and process too before you walk in there. Like one of right. the, the worst one-on-ones happen when it's like shooting from the hip and nobody's yeah. prepared. You're not right. at your best, right? So coaching conversations are agenda-driven. Mm. And we are prepared. It doesn't mean, I'm not saying that the serendipitous times and relational equity that needs to happen, you know, relationship building needs to happen. I'm not saying that you don't do those. I'm just saying you got to be purposeful throughout your life cycle as an employee. And you got to be purposeful in your organization to have these moments where we're going to be prepared for this 20, 30 minute one-on-one. And we're going to know what to talk about. And we're going to get clear with one another, because guess what, what you think, and what you understand are the next yeah. steps are probably different when I am. And this allows us to get clear and have clear communication. I tell you what, we know that clear communication solves a lot of problems in the work, workforce. And I would submit would also bridge some gaps from a DEI perspective if we had some opportunities to have clear communication. So, yes, Deanna, we're big fans of check-ins. Matter of fact, I make the bold statement that I don't think you should do a performance review if you haven't had at least several check-ins throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I think you can do check-ins without doing a performance review. I don't think you can do a performance review without doing check-in. I can just a, a culture of anxiety and everybody's overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And if we're really honest with ourselves, the performance review is no one thinks about it till 300 for 364 days. And at the last <laughs> one, Oh my goodness, I have to do it. And it's not even accurate in the first place. So check-ins right. are not with work though. <laughs> <laughs> we fix that. That's fantastic. I see, see resources on my, on my website for all the webinars. On, it actually says how to conduct performance reviews that don't suck. That's yeah. actually the name. Actually, actually, you know, I've gone through that series way. and it's awesome. I, I highly encourage anybody else who, who's interested to, to check it out. It is very useful and awesome. Thank and you. I will just have to note that, you know, I talked about, you know, what I would put on my t-shirt that doesn't matter where you are in the organization, everybody has power, but Justin would put, write it first. 
Write it, it first. Out. Write yes. it out. You know, like that. That's what we do. That lizard brain is too strong. <laughs> in a weird direction. It's like, what a word coming out of my own mouth. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, oh, let's get back in. Get back in. Get back in. Well, in the spirit of writing things out, let's see if I can <laughs> recap for our listeners out there some of the fantastic points that Melissa covered. One, replacing grind with grit that also combined, yes. combines passion and performance. Look at values-based performance management, not just those uh, those metrics that focus just on output and just on widgets. Also, that anybody can affect change no matter where you are in the org chart. Make time for that FaceTime and find ways to write out and have coaching conversations that are agenda-driven and maybe pick up practicing spear throwing. How did? <laughs> Good. Yes. Especially that last point, Justin, I did hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's been an honor to have you on, on the show and Melissa, like, I think even more so than just on the show, one of the things that we talk about a lot at uplifting impact is that it's not just about the work that we're doing, but it's also about being able to align with other organizations that we see yeah. who are out there, right. Doing, doing the same work and, and lifting up people. So it's just really cool to, to see what work Dev is doing. It's cool to be able to hear from you every time we talk i learn something i take away something like ooh, i gotta go do that and sometimes it's a little bit of ouch i'm not gonna lie it's like a little bit of like ooh, <laughs> wait, wait am i doing that you know that's so, growth that's growth, growth. it you is know, growth doesn't happen without a little bit of ouch without a little, little bit of ouch a little bit of ouch so yeah. I, i'm gonna go back and look at these beautiful notes justin took um because i was too into the conversation to take them but i'm gonna look at his <laughs> uh, to, to distinguish my ouch moments and, and my growth moments right but really really glad to have you on the show glad to know that you're out in the world doing the work with work you does. thank you um and i want to make sure that you know everyone who's listening we really appreciate you we're so glad to have you here we would ask that you go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you can hear more great conversations and know that you know wherever you get your podcast whether it's on uh, I don't know. I don't even know all the channels, Spotify, <laughs> Apple, all, all the things that mm -hmm. you can go ahead and just subscribe there and, you know, definitely share, share your love there so that we can keep putting out information. And also just want to let you know that we are also on YouTube. So if that's a platform that you use more often, you can also check us out there. And then once again, thank you very much, Melissa Philippi. Thank, thank you, you very you. much. For having me. You're so wonderful. <laughs> and thank you to all you listeners out there for joining us. And we want to know how we can get in touch with you. So, uh, Melissa, how so? How can they get in touch with you? If they're like, this is fantastic. This is exactly what I'm interested in. How can they reach out to you? Oh, thank you so much. Well, really just through our website, workdove.com. That's workanddovelikethebird.com. And you'll see 18 different ways to get in touch with us there. But you can chat with us and someone will definitely schedule a time to speak with you. So thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been a pleasure and a joy. <laughs> and we'll also make sure to add all that information to the show notes as well for all our listeners. And to all of you out there, we're so glad that you tuned into this week's episode of the Uplifting Impact podcast. And we need more people like you to help us uplift the impact. And in order to do so, be sure to share this episode, comment on it by going to our website at upliftingimpact.com or provide your thoughts directly to us through LinkedIn at Justin at Uplifting Impact, Justin Ponder, Tamira Washington Ramsey, and Deanna Singh. Until next week, keep uplifting the impact.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.